Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff After Hours, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I retired as a detective sergeant out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. If you guys like this show, please subscribe on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. We're also on Facebook, and we're on nine listening sites via Anchor. And folks, we want to really thank you all. In the last two weeks, we've actually... Um, grown by 3,500 subscribers. So maybe we're doing something right, or maybe you guys actually like us. So I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to introduce our guest tonight. And as I do every every time he's on with me, straight out of Brooklyn, <laughs> here he is, Detective Phil Grimaldi, who's a second grade detective, which is a rank he retired from. That's a rank. I'm not calling him a second rate, like someone asked me in the chat. Second grade detective is an actual rank on the NYPD that makes sergeants pay. And anyway, further ado, Phil Grimaldi, right out of Brooklyn. How you doing, Phil? Pretty good, Bill. That's two promotions up from police officers, so you're <laughs> right. It's a it's a promotion up. Thank you. And then you were living large, and you know you got all the respect. He wore those pinky rings. He got to wear those uh, dark dark suits in Brooklyn, and he got a lot of respect. Tonight we have a very, <laughs> tonight we have a very special guest. And he, he's a captain of police somewhere in the Midwest. I won't tell you where. He's a secretive type guy. But even more than that, he owns a company called Cop Coffee, which is very great to po police officers, especially police officers Bill, in need. Bill, let me correct you. It's Police Coffee Company. Oh, I thought it's you called police, it Cop Coffee. Uh, police Coffee Company. Thank okay, you, Police though. Coffee Company. You know, we in New York, we get carried away calling everyone cops. Anyway, let's invite and give him a warm welcome, Stefan Bennett. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on the show, Bill. Um, as you know, I'm a full-time police captain. I've been with a large Midwestern Rocky Mountain agency for uh, 26 years. And a couple of years ago, um, a partner, a friend of mine decided to, uh, we, we kind of thought about putting together a coffee company that would give us an opportunity to uh you know, start a side business and also give something back and, and offer support to police police officers. I mean, you know, we're going through a lot of difficult uh, times right now. And I think all we hear is this vocal minority out there saying that the police are bad. And I think what people don't realize is there's a lot of people out there that support the police. So by, by creating this uh, coffee company, we provide really great coffee. Um, it's targeted towards police and the people that support police. Um, and as a side benefit of it, we do donate 50% of our profits to Concerns of Police Survivors. It's uh, the acronym's COPS. And what they do is they provide assistance to those officers and their all well, the families of officers that have fallen in the line of duty. Um, so it's been a really great undertaking, and we really got started last October. Ste Stefan, I, I just want to commend you. That is a tremendous thing. I want to play a video from your website. Uh, that shows you in, in uniform and talking about talking about your company. Stephen Bennett, founder of Police Coffee. I've spent the last 25 years working as a law enforcement officer in a major metropolitan city. We're a small batch coffee roaster offering freshly roasted blends and specialty varietals crafted for our men and women in blue. Here at Police Coffee, we believe that each bag we roast comes with a meaning. It represents the hard work and service to keep our community safe. We're motivated to make sure the men and women behind the badge 
receive the support they so desperately need. Around the country, the integrity of police officers is brought into question, completely disregarding the professionalism, ethics, and sacrifices made every day to keep our community safe. Having those hardships in mind, we've crafted our coffee to keep you energized throughout the day and face whatever challenges your job may bring. Each sip makes a difference. Police coffee is roasted to order to ensure that only the freshest beans arrive on your doorstep. This is an officer-run business, and we want to honor the memory of our brothers and sisters that have fallen in the line of duty. At Police Coffee, we're proud to donate 50% of our profits to organizations dedicated to helping police officers. Purchase or subscribe to have high-quality coffee delivered to your doorstep. Show your support and back the blue. Police Coffee. I that was pretty, that was pretty damn impressive. You know, the thing is too is like not only are you you know I, I love to use this expression. Not only are you walking the walk, but you're talking the talk, and you're talking the talk by going into your pocket and giving away fifty percent of your profits. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, we're definitely uh, not trying to get rich off this endeavor, but it's definitely giving something back to the community that we serve and the people we work with. You know, Stefan, I I pulled up some of the some of your products that you have here in case fo uh, folks want to order. And I'm going to even, uh, and here's you in another picture. Those are all different, I guess, blends of your coffee. But uh, I'm going to also put up the banner on how people can order if, if they would like to. And uh, this is right uh, at the, at the bottom of this is order your coffee by contact at policecoffee.com. And for OTC 10, that stands for off the cuff 10, you get a 10% discount. So uh, Stefan is again talking with his pocket and he's helping us out. But please, there it is there. Contact policecoffee.com and for a 10% discount, OTC 10, off the cuff 10. Beautiful thing. Hey, Stefan, I have a question for you. First, I want to commend you. That's really outrageous. It's very, very uh, thoughtful and uh you know, to, to take 50% of your profits and, and give it to such a great cause, fallen officers, families, uh, that's really, really commendable. But did you have a, a, a background in coffee or did you know anything about the business before you started to do it? Well, Phil, you know, I'm a, I'm a police officer, so I'd say my background is coffee is, is it runs in my veins. Um, I personally don't have a background in coffee beyond being a consumer of it. And I, you know, over the years have developed my taste for upper, higher quality levels of coffee. And uh, one of my friends, a partner, um, is involved in the coffee business and roasting. And we got talking about this idea uh, a few years back. And we, we were kind of like, well, maybe it's not the right time yet. You know, we were trying to look at the angle to approach it at. And man, last year hit between the, the protests that happened, we decided it's it was time. It was time to move forward on it. Um, so we put the business model together uh, in September, and I believe we got it rolling on like October 1st. You know, Stefan, someone was asking me, I, I mean, this is a little off topic, but do you have a French roast? <laughs> so... <laughs> The closest thing to a French roast, French roast is typically a dark roast, is our operator blend, which has kind of uh, become my personal favorite. I tended to lean towards light roasts. If you only get technical, light roasts tend to have a lot more caffeine in them, but uh -huh. uh, a little bit higher acidity. Um, I've been drinking our operator's roast pretty much regularly. I like my coffee black, and this uh, is very smooth, very little acidity, 
and kind of reminds me of Guinness, which is one of my favorite um, after work consuming beverages. Hey, this is this is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's for Listen, Irish families. And, right? and, and, and look at look at that, Stefan. You even have stuff for the dogs there. Little doggy <laughs> treats. And notice that they're donut shaped. Okay, so so we we decided to do dog treats. You know, a lot of us have have pets, and uh, you know, I thought Canine Bites was a good tongue in cheek uh, label for that. That's excellent. You know, it's happy, you know, oh, Stefan, yeah. the, th the thing that we like here, because we're always talking about policing and not just policing in New York City, but policing all over the country. And we know that 2020 was a horrendous year. 2021 hasn't been that much better. In fact, maybe it's better because COVID is, uh, you know, 90% over with. But the police across the country are having a tough time. Violence is out of control. We look at New York City. Shootings are off the charts. And you tell me that in your jur jurisdiction, the same thing is, is occurring. Yeah, we're definitely seeing heightened crime rates um, everywhere in the country, especially in the large metropolitan areas. Um, you know, we've had a huge exodus of police. I know you guys have in, in the New York City area, um, you know, lowest levels in what, 10 or 15 years uh, in New York. I know we lost um, close to 100 officers in the last year. And, you know, now we're having a hard time with retention and recruitment. Um, but I do feel like the tide's starting to shift. I think I think the public's getting fed up with with, with what they're seeing and the, the rising crime rates. And we're finally starting to see the uh, politicians making some changes. I know in uh, my agency, they finally realized that, uh, you know, substantial pay raises were required to stop the bleeding, you know, keep that retention, keep that quality pool of officers we already have. And then... Uh, hopefully entice new officers to come into, into our agency. You know, we have the same uh, exact problem in New York City, but it was exacerbated by some really crazy uh, laws that were passed. One, I'm sure you heard about it, was something called the diaphragm law, which was passed by the city council, which was probably the single most asinine piece of legislation ever passed by a government entity in the history of mankind. And basically what it said was that in the officer in, in making an arrest could not restrict the diaphragm, i.e. he could not put his back, excuse me, his knee in the back of the perp in order to get him handcuffed. Meanwhile, every single police department in the nation is trained that way to put their knee in a perp's back to get him cuffed. And so that severely restricted officers. And I, I'm just happy to say it was recently uh, found unconstitutional by a Supreme Court uh, judge. So one victory for the uh, for the NYPD. But we also have qualified immunity was taken away from the police officers. Um, stop, question, and frisk in New York City was uh, seriously uh, cut back where, uh, you know, when an officer stopped questions and frisk a, a, a potential suspect, the officers looked more at as the criminal than the person he's stopping. So we all know to get guns off the street, that is the technique you have to use. Phil, you want to comment on this? Oh, there's so much to comment on. Um, obviously, the things that you mentioned, the diaphragm law, the stop, question, and frisk, we've talked about that uh, several times. But I've noticed, and we talked about it earlier, Bill, that it looks like the, the Democrats, the politicians, they're starting to wake up. They realize that there's an out-of-control crime wave across 
across the country. And they want to make it look like they're doing something to address the problem. But they're not doing what needs to be done. They need to get an alliance with the prosecutors, obviously. They need to have the police on board. And you can't have cops. If you flood an area with cops and they're going to stand around with their hands in their pockets and they're not going to take any action, they're not going to be proactive, what good is having a cop there at all? You could just use, uh, you know, cigar store Indians and and, and dummies, you know, (laughs) dressed up as cops and put them out there and you get the same effect. But what they're targeting, like uh, when Biden spoke last week, he was talking about uh, enforcement of gun laws. Enforcement of gun laws, he won't use the word illegal guns. They want to target the Second Amendment all the time. And, you know, there was a time in New York City when anti-crime, which they abolished, uh, the plainclothes offices, they abolished that in New York City, where the guys on the street, the perps, the gangbangers, the scumbags in the street were afraid to carry a gun because they knew anti-crime was out there. They'd watch them and they'd build up enough probable cause to stop, question, and frisk them. And if they were carrying a gun, a gun, they'd be arrested. It was super effective. But now there's no deterrent. They've taken away the deterrent, specifically in New York City, but across the country, because three, four, five times arrested with a gun, and they're back out on the street. I saw a press conference earlier with the uh, superintendent of Chicago, David Brown. It was from a couple of days ago. I think it was from last week, actually, that they had the deadliest weekend July 4th weekend in in Chicago, they had 100 people shot. I'm going to repeat that. 100 people were shot. 18 were dead. So they had 18 homicides, 100 people shot. And the prosecutor, Kim Fox, is saying, well, you know, if they don't go out and arrest the guys, how could we prosecute them? It's nonsense. They they need to have bail. They they have bail reform going on in Chicago as well. And this whole defund the police uh, atmosphere throughout the country it's just horrible. There's common sense solutions to the problems. Now, they, they'll talk about, uh, you know, they want to have these community projects. They want to have violence interrupters. I'm all for that. Makes a lot of sense. If you can stop someone from entering a gang before they do or committing a crime, I'm all for that. But the problem is occurring at a high rate right now. We need enforcement. We need the DAs on board that are going to ask the judges to keep them in jail. And the judges are so liberal. They're saying, oh, release them, release them, release them. Uh, There's a a guideline where there's bail reform. I can't hold them on bail. It's nonsense. If you feel that they're a threat to the community, which most gangbangers are, you can hold them. So that's just a few things that we could be doing. They're not really attacking the problem at hand. The hey, problem hey, Phil, is out of control. Go ahead, Steph. When when you're talking gun crimes, I, I have a pretty significant background in that. Back uh, back in my undercover years, I was assigned to an ATF task force. And um, e- even back then, you know, early 2000s, we were having difficulty with getting good sentencing and good charges against someone with a gun uh, locally, you know, through our district attorney's offices. So what we did, and I don't know if it's the same under the current administration and the federal government, but we ended up pushing to the federal side. So, you know, gang members with guns, gang members with ammunition, um, they would route through me if I wasn't buying the guns from them or, you know, the other officers would be catching them with guns. It would route through me and we would end up filing federally on these guys. In fact, I got a guy who we couldn't find the gun, but he had a magazine in his pocket, you know, with a bunch of nine millimeter rounds in it. We were able to put him behind bars for five years. 
uh, word started getting out that we weren't playing games anymore. You know, it wasn't slap on the wrist. You were getting federal time. And federal time, there's no parole. You know, you do virtually all your time there. Yes. Um, we saw a significant reduction in violent crime during those years, especially um, involving gang members, because they knew if they got caught with it, it was done. It was no more, uh, you know, get booked into the jail and get booked out. It was get booked into the jail, go into federal custody, and we'll see in a, a few years to a decade. Well, you know, they used to have that in New York City when uh, narcotics would go out and they would say, oh, this is federal day. And all of the perps would be like, oh, no, not federal day, because they knew the feds would put them in prison for, you know, three, four, five years, whereas local would just, you know, slap on the wrist. And, and in my case, there's no federal prisons in my state. So they get moved to a neighboring state, you know, and then their family has to go visit them there. Yeah, sentencing guidelines under the federal statutes are much more harsh. And like you said, uh, in, in New York City, for instance, they have the good time law where you get one third of your sentence off mm -hmm. for good behavior. With the feds, it's one month for every year. So the sentencings are much harsher. And what you described, Steph, is what we used to do in New York City. Now they've scaled back everything. And then our, our illustrious governor in, in New York State, I, I call him El Supremo, Governor Cuomo, he came out at a press conference last week and he reimagined all these things he was going to do. And it was stuff that was already being done for the last 30, 40 years in the NYPD, working along with federal agencies and state agencies. We've been doing that. So he's, he's trying to take credit for some policy that's already been in effect. It's all fluff. It's all in plain English. It's all bullshit. And the bottom line is, is that what you described is what we need to do now here today. And all of these other uh, community organizer, um, you know, type uh, uh, things that they want to do with these uh, violence interrupters. Great. But we need action now. We're going through a horrible summit. Crime is out of control. I mean, we can name all the cities. Where we've named them before. Name them again. It's the same, same story everywhere. The gangs, they're not afraid to carry. I, I can speak specifically for New York. They are not afraid to carry handguns in New York City. Of course, even if they do get arrested by the grace of God, they don't, they, they're right out the door. They don't hold them. Yeah, that's a tough problem, regardless of, of you know what city you're in. And and you know what's funny is we're always pushing for more gun laws, but we have plenty of gun laws on the books that just are not exactly. enforced or applied um, at the level they should be. You know, I'm definitely pro Second Amendment myself, but um, you know the, these gun laws need to be applied to illegal use of a firearm. Otherwise, you know, we're we're just penalizing good people. Well, you know, Stefan, they had a um, a. a uh news blast today and there was a 16 year old kid killed in the bronx another 15 year old kid and it's all gangbangers and when they listed the shooters one of them had been arrested three times in the past year for possession of a gun three times that was like he, a 16 year old i think right yeah. yeah and he got released every single time to go out and shoot someone again it's just like incredible and you know you know about shootings as well as we do one shooting begets many more shootings because the retaliation mm -hmm. factors. Someone gets shot and they say, I'm the, I don't believe in the police. I'll take care of it myself. That mentality. And so the one shooting begets many more shootings and it's a vicious cycle. And uh, Phil said before, and he had a great point, and I feel like I almost talk about this ad nauseum, is that progressives don't talk about illegal guns. They just talk about guns as if the gun as an inanimate object is shooting people. 
but they don't want to talk about the person that possesses or actually uses the gun. That that would make too much sense. It's no no different than the person in a car that drives over someone, you know, intentionally. You know, are we mad at the car manufacturers? A hundred percent, right? It doesn't make any sense, but they will never talk about the illegal gun because that involves the illegal person that's using it. And then they have to put that person, you know, it all goes down. It comes back to decarceration, which is a, uh, you know, it's a progressive idea that really is never going to work, but they're going to put these people out on the street and not punish them. And, and the big thing is that they don't care about crime victims. And that's what kills me. No, we're definitely seeing a lot of that in the, uh, I, I don't know if you guys have had it out there. I assume so. Um, in my state, they, they did a uh, uh, justice reform initiative where they reduced penalties on a lot of crimes. Uh, drug possession was one of them where they uh, lowered the penalty for a uh, user possession of, say, cocaine or heroin or methamphetamine to a misdemeanor where it used to be, you know, the lowest level felony that we could book him on. And so we've really opened the door to a lot of things. You know, we're not we're not keeping criminals behind bars who are involved in a lot of property crimes because, you know, it's a nonviolent offense. But what do they do? They keep reoffending, reoffending. We've had car thieves that have been booked in one night, get booted out of the jail, or right back, caught in another car, booked again. And, and it happens over a week period where they've committed several other crimes, yet they're being caught every time they do it. Well, Stefan, I don't know if you watch the um – uh, what the progressives called peaceful protests in New York City. What anyone, what I, saw anyone, that in, I saw that in Portland too. Yeah, what yeah. anyone with half a brain called them was riots. Every one of those riots, even the ones that were caught stone cold dead uh, coming out of a building with merchandise, every one of them they refused to prosecute. I mean, that that's incredible to me. They dropped all charges, the Manhattan DA's office. That's the progressive ideas. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. It makes our job that much harder, you know, where we're losing officers. Um, you know, I'm a big fan. I don't know what the what the local feel is. I, I'm a real fan of uh, Bill Bratton, and I liked his fixing broken windows kind of uh, order maintenance approach. And every time I used it as a, uh, you know, patrol commander, I had great results in reducing crime in various areas. Um, but it seems like as a society, we've kind of moved away from that or, or you know, they don't quite understand that dealing with those low level crimes really makes an impact on getting rid of the higher level ones and really creates a, a much safer community. Yeah, that's the whole philosophy of broken windows theory. Vicky Mara, JR, same in Texas. You shoot us, we shoot you back. We are carrying. Oh, I love that one. Like that. You know, guy, I, I, I don't know if that would ever work in New York City because, uh, well, people are carrying illegal guns, that's for sure. But uh, I don't know how many actual legal guns are out there. You can't, I don't think, I don't know if HR 218 is the law in New York city or if they, do they actually uh, honor HR 218, Phil? Yeah. The HR 218, it was actually being fought in New Jersey and they just won it. Uh, it's, it's acceptable. Definitely in uh, New York and New Jersey. I mean, uh, according to uh, when I uh, uh, last did my uh, pistol permit, all you need is an HR 218. You don't even need to carry a pistol permit anymore as long as you keep it up to date and you qualify once a year. 
But I wanted to make a point about what Stefan said about, uh, you know, the laws. Uh, for a very long time in New York City, previous administrations, there was a mandatory one-year sentence if you caught with an illegal handgun. During the previous administration to current mayor Bloomberg, I'm sorry, the current mayor de Blasio, the Bloomberg administration raised it to three years. So you had a mandatory three-year sentence if you were convicted of carrying illegal handgun. How can that 16-year-old be out of jail three and four times with an illegal handgun, with no bail, and then he goes and kills someone. So the laws are there. It's like you said, Steph, the laws are there. They're just not enforcing the laws. And that's the problem between the, the bail reform. I mean, when bail reform first started, a friend of mine who's a chief on the job uh, sent me a, a message that there was a guy who robbed a bank. He robbed the same bank three times. He was released three times. On the fourth time, the judge decided it might be a good idea to put bail on this guy. He might be a threat to the community. Never mind the gray hairs that he was putting on the teller's head that he was robbing the, the bank uh, four times. So finally, they caught the message. But, I mean, it's policies like that that are just, you know, the laws are there. The police officers are there, and they're waiting to do their job. They need to be able to get the order to execute. They got to have the backing of the job, the backing of the politicians, and the people will back them because these criminal scumbags that we're talking about are a small minority in every city. There's good people in these cities and they want to be able to go walking down the block with their children, not have to dodge bullets like they've been doing in Times Square recently. So I think that those are really simple you know, solutions to this current problem. And then we can address all the community outreach programs that they want to enact. Yeah, I, th I think all those community outreach programs are great ideas, but they complement the police work. They don't take over the police work, which seems to be the push, the, the, the direction that we're seeing the left push towards is they want to eliminate policing and replace it with something else. I think you still definitely need policing, uh, but some of these intervention programs are fantastic. I know, uh, my agency was one of the first in the country, although it wasn't widely publicized, to use a, uh, a co-responder model with a social worker for some of our mental health issues. I can tell you it's made a huge difference. You know, they respond with a police officer to some of our frequent flyers um, that are having mental health issues, and we're able to deal with that in a much more professional way, get them the help they need so they're not repeat calls for our police side of the house. That's um, that's a great policy. I, I love that policy right there. You know, that sounds similar, though. When I was on the job, they had the thing called mental health removal orders. And they would send two social workers with the patrol sergeant and his driver and another car to remove someone, uh, if necessary, forcibly, because they were going to get committed to a mental uh, hospital. So, I mean, I can't see that uh, social workers go into these potentially violent mental health removal jobs without the police. Now we've actually already had one uh, officer involved shooting with the social worker. They show up at a guy's house, knock on the door um, to visit with them and see what services they can provide. He comes out of the door with a gun. It results in a, a very close gunfight. Um, luckily our officers are okay, but I mean, that stuff, as we all know, can turn on a dime. So there's always there always has to be that safety approach and layered approach by having a police officer with the social worker. I don't know that we'll ever get to the point where a social worker should just be going by themselves. You know, Stefan, two of the most dangerous jobs on the police department was A, an EDP, and B, a, a domestic violence school. 
And, you know, when they make light of those and act like, oh, they're perfectly safe. Let's just send social workers. It's just so uh, ridiculous that they can uh, speak to that. You know? Steph, do you know what an EDP is? In, in the NYPD, we refer to a, an emotionally dis disturbed person as an EDP. Is it the same thing on your police uh, department? We're not. I mean, everyone's familiar with the terminology, but um, we just usually say, um, you know, a mental subject or a mental health subject. See, they try to make it so, so politically correct. Now they call it emotionally distressed person. You know, yeah. is, oh, that, change, is that any different? The right, right. Is that any different? It's like uh, on the NYPD, they don't let you call housing projects, housing projects. Like it's good. They now they clean that up and they call them the housing development. Like, are you kidding me? Like, is that going to put lipstick on a pig? You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> There's a lot of verbiage change over the years in the in the in the recent you know recent times we've lived in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're going to take a quick break, do a quick commercial, and uh, Phil, I'm going to take the first one, and you can do the second one. All right. Very good. All right, man. Folks, if you're looking to move out of wherever you are, uh, if you're in New York, high taxes, crime, uh, progressive politicians. Carol Waters sells real estate down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Carol Waters was once a bartender at Fitzpatrick Hotel in Midtown Manhattan for over 20 years. She now lives down in Myrtle Beach with her husband, Rob Mayen, who was a former NYPD officer who rolled over to the fire department. Together, they make a million-dollar sales team down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, Cal Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And she's part of the Beach Realty Group. So if you're looking for real estate, Dana, whether it's a condo, a vacation home, or, or a regular home, give Carol Waters a call, 914-261-6681, or you can email her at carolwaterssellsmyrtlebeach at gmail.com. Joe Murray is a terrific attorney, a big supporter of Police Off the Cuff. Uh, he's not only a terrific attorney, he's also a veteran member of the NYPD who's retired and became an attorney. So if you're in a jam, God forbid, you have Joe Murray in your corner. He's a ter terrific attorney. And if you wind up in the legal arena and you need representation, you can reach Joe Murray at jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray dash law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. 646-838-1702. I have him in my phone, just God forbid of an emergency. And he's been on the show many times. You can check him out on this show and on Duty Run Show. Terrific attorney. Folks, I just want to also reiterate that uh, if you want to order your coffee from policecoffee.com, you can go to the site, policecoffee.com. You get a 10% discount if you use OTC10. That stands for off-the-cuff 10. Not only will you be supporting a great product, but you'll be supporting police officers all over because policecoffee.com gives 50% of its profits to police officers that are in need. So this is a tremendous product, but it's also a tremendous cause. You can see Stefan proudly standing there with five different blends. Uh, what I would do, I, I put a little Bailey's in the coffee, you know, and it gives it a little. <laughs> hey, <tip>. hey. <laughs> hey, family program, right? Family that's that's right. I, I, there it is, back to blue. He says it's got the most beautiful uh, packaging. 
And he even got some canine bites. I'm going all over all of his products here. Look at this. He has a defunded decaf. How's that? For, how's that for a perfect? No, product? I don't know what decaf's good for, but I know some people like to drink it, especially you know if they're uh, trying to get some sleep at night. Yeah, I, I don't it's actually really even. Know, I don't even know what the point is in decaf. You know, it's like drinking beer, beer with no alcohol in it. You ever see people right. that do that? They're like, oh my god, just go to an AA meeting and get out of here. You know, what <laughs> a waste, right? Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so uh, folks, if you want to order it. There it's it's so easy. Policecoffee.com and you get a 10% discount. Off the cuff 10 is the discount code. Sure I want to ask Steph a quick question about the coffee. Now, not that I'm going to bring up a competitor, <laughs> but just for instance, now in my house, we use, I'm going to say it, we use Duncan uh, grinds, Duncan roast. <laughs> what would be comparable to that, Steph? In, in your um, one of our medium roasts would either be our hot pursuit. Um, which kind of kind of has an '80s Miami Vice theme to it, or um, we've actually moved a medium to a medium roast. Our uh, our back the blue, so okay. our back the blue is also medium roast, which would fit in that same category. Um, where I'll put my money where my mouth is is that our stuff's a lot fresher uh, than the the large producers. Like like pretty much worth in a week of shipping every time we produce. So okay. so what you're getting at home is probably the freshest you can get short of, you know, finding someone locally to just do it for you right there. Sure. So, and in my recommendation too, uh, for you coffee connoisseurs is order whole bean and then grind it at home. Okay. If That's you buy it as, as soon as it's ground, it starts oxidizing. You lose some of the smells and flavors uh, that come with coffee and it has a reduced shelf life. If you buy a whole bean, um, keep it someplace cool and just, just grind what you need for the day or the week. Um, your experience is going to be a lot, a lot better. Dawn Marie, who's in our live chat, she's, she says, I'll be ordering. So we already got some orders from this uh, this live chat here. You know, Stefan is a hell of a guy, and to give 50% of profits, it's uh, an unbelievable thing. And Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, uh, he says that uh, Stefan's coffee does well with Sambuca straight up in a snifter. <laughs> With the, with, with, with the three coffee beans. That's the law. That's the law whether you're Italian. That's the law whether you're from Brooklyn. You got to have those three coffee beans. If you violate that rule, get out of here. Right? Wow. This is a win-win because you get you get a delicious cup of coffee and you get a, a good cause. How could, it, how could you go wrong? Three beans or forget about it, right? Forget about it. Now we're going to be eating cannoli after, right? Oh, now you're talking. Listen, there's nothing like a good cup of coffee and espresso, I prefer, with a little banana zed and uh, a cannoli. Oh, nothing like it. Now, if you want to use if you want to use any of our coffee for espresso, again, the operator roast, our dark roast, is the one to use for that. Oh, okay, good. You know, Stefan, you should also give lessons on how to get that pinky in that small espresso cup. (laughs) That's a very I'm, important I'm not, thing. I'm not Italian, you know, but I. If you I'm do that wrong, someone in, else here is. If you do that wrong in Brooklyn, you could lose your finger, right? right now, now. Now, wait a second, Billy. The coffee—you got to keep the pinky out. It's it's out. You don't oh, that's right. That, that, but that's a full size. I'm talking about a little espresso cup. Yeah, even There's with a little technique. espresso, you got to keep the pinky up. You grab it with these two fingers, and you. Oh. Okay. And, and if you go to Italy. When they have an espresso, what they do is they serve espresso. They'll serve an espresso with a glass of water next to it, and they 
sip it right down. It goes right down, and then they wash it down with the glass of water, and then they go to work. That's how they do it in Italy. That's the real, the real deal. But you know, I at a certain hour of the day, I can't drink coffee anymore. If I drink it like after <laughs> six o'clock at night, I can't sleep. Uh, when Tell I go. me about it. You know, I, the guess, caffeine. I, guess, I guess you're our defunded decaf, you know. Yeah, I guess. Now, you, know, I, you know, the only time, sometimes I'll go to a restaurant and it's late at, later at night. Thank you, Joshua, for the $5 super chat. Sometimes I'll go to a restaurant late at night and I want to have coffee, but it's past my line of demarcation where I won't be able to sleep. <laughs> and I'll have a decaf cappuccino and then, you know, like a little Bailey's or something on the side. Line of demarcation. You can tell he's a college professor. Well. You can tell. <laughs> I, I, a I, line I, of demarcation. That's a new one. I love it. <laughs> I, I was. I was a college professor a while ago. Matthew Kaz, thank you so much for the four ninety nine super chat. I know a lot of you folks in the chat were expecting us to talk about the Summer Wells case tonight, and we will get back to that case perhaps next week. I know Duty Ron is going to do another show about it. It's a real tragic case, and I know so many of you folks are following it, and we're going to get back to it because there's, it needs our attention, you know, and um, I feel good about the people that we've brought to talk about that case. All professionals, all people that know can walk the walk and talk the talk. There's a lot of um, super sleuths on these sites on the internet that uh, really don't know what they're talking about. So, uh, Billy, the, the last yeah. couple of guests that you had, I mean, Barbara Butcher was fantastic. And last night we had uh, Mike with the computer crimes. I mean, I even learned something uh, from what he was talking about last night. So you've been, you've been hitting out of the park with that and you're right. We really, uh, hope that that young lady is, uh, is found. And, uh, you know, the people that were responsible could be brought to justice. But, uh, I think we, we had a good, uh, you know, we had a good conversation about the, about the case over the last couple of shows that we did. You know, Phil, they're, they're going to solve that case. That oh, they're sure. definitely going to solve that for case. Sure. And there's something I, I wish I could be down there when they do solve it and they put someone in handcuffs because that, that would be fantastic. And know, from what we saw, it, it, you know, they have a direction that they're going in and uh, it'll be solved. I guess it's just a matter of time. So uh, let's just hope and pray. Duty Ron asked, can I send them the link to order this coffee? There it is on the screen, Duty Ron. Policecoffee.com and you get a 10% discount if you use OTC 10. That's off the cuff 10. And, you know, order a few Order a fifty-pound bag. <laughs> well, you 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 brought it up. So our five-pound bag is, <laughs> is fairly spendy, but it, it's really your best bang for the buck, including shipping and all that. So um, five-pound bag, whole bean. Make sure you buy whole bean so it lasts. You know, stays fresh longer. Uh, but the five-pound bag is the way to go. Wow, you know something? I I, I love coffee. Uh, in the morning, I, I usually have two cups, two cups, and that's um, that's my uh, limit for the day. I, I don't drink it anymore for the rest of the day, or else you know, I'll be up for the next week. So, uh, what was that word again, Bill? That you used the the line of demarcation. demarcation. <laughs> my line of de demarcation yeah. is like sort of like late afternoon. Usually, I have a cup and a half to two cups in the morning, and I I cut it off after that. And occasionally, I will have an espresso for whatever reason. Espresso doesn't bother me like a regular cup of coffee uh, in the evening, you know. If I have a regular cup of coffee in the, in the evening, I'm twisting and turning all night. It was funny. Here we're talking about, you know, we're getting old. We can't eat and drink things at a certain hour, you know. Uh, certain things we can't eat at all anymore. I always think about, should I eat that or I'll, I'll pay the price if I eat that, you know. 
Yeah. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. Oh, I'm, getting like you don't I'm, I'm getting there. I, I feel you. <laughs> That's our new banner on the screen that our, um, our engineer, Josh, made for us. Uh, and it's don't forget to subscribe to on our YouTube. Leave us a comment. Follow us on Facebook. And there's our website, policeoffthecuff.com. Uh, we're growing and growing and growing. I was telling everybody, I'm thanking all you folks that are new subscribers. In the last um, two weeks, we added 4,000 subscribers to our YouTube. To me, that's, you know, that more than doubled what we had. And we're going to keep working hard. We're going to keep, uh, you know, trying to knock it out of the park. And, I, you know, I keep bringing in new guests. In fact, you know, Phil Grimaldi, I found walking on the streets of Brooklyn. And I said, hey, you want to be a, you want to be a podcaster? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll try to give it a shot. Anyway, he's a, he's a diamond in the rough. He's an excellent, I mean, what knowledge he has as an investigator. I mean, the guy's worked homicides. He's done it all. He's He's got the combat cross. You folks not from New York City, Phil has the combat cross. He's a combat cross recipient, which is the second highest medal in the New York City Police Department. means you were involved in mortal combat, and he obviously came out the winner. So I'm very proud to have Phil Grimaldi joining me on these real crime stories because it takes a lot, believe it or not, it takes a lot of ex expertise to talk about a lot of things because people in the chat ask us tons of questions. And if you don't know what you're talking about, they're going to find out very quickly. You know, people, there are some professionals in this chat that can try us. I also want to mention in this chat all the time is Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders. Peter Pranzo is a NYPD legend. I always like to bring up his name. He's always in the chat. He's a big supporter of us, him and his wife, Richella. And Pete just had a birthday recently. Uh, I'm not going to say how old he was. He might not like me. After Happy, birthday, Happy birthday, Pete. Happy birthday, Pete. But, but oh, he's, he's, a, he's an unbelievable man. But anyway, police off the cuff. We're growing. We're trying to get the best guests. Obviously, we've got Stefan here, Stefan Bennett here today. And we're trying to keep you entertained. But we can't do the same exact case every night. And I know you guys would love for us to be doing the Summer Wells case again. And we're going to get back to it. But I, I can't do it uh, every single night. Uh, get a little burnt out doing the same case, believe it or not. Bill, thank you very much for those kind words. I really, really appreciate that. And coming from someone like you who was in the homicide squad for a number of years, you're a sergeant and uh, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate yeah. having you here and having people I can just call on the phone at uh, hours notice. Hey, you want to come on the show tonight? <laughs> you know, That's it's not it's so easy, you know, you know, well, Stefan, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on where you work and uh, the, the changes uh, in the last year due to the, you know, the, the, the fund the police, the attacks on the police, all the all the stuff that has been happening negative for the police. You know, as we as we've talked before, Bill, you know, it's it's a it's heart wrenching. You know, I'm a I'm a commander in a large department, and I see the you know, how, how the things that have over the last year have demoralized the officers and, and they feel very hesitant to act on things. Uh, they feel like they're lacking support from the public and from our elected officials. And, you know, it's really, it's, it's really time for the elected officials or for the public, in fact, to, to write to their elected officials and say, we support our police. We, we know you know, and, and it's it's agency dependent, but I, I would vastly say that the, the majority of agencies are quality agencies, quality officers trying to do a good job every day. 
and make their communities better. But they need to get out in front of the camera. That includes our police leadership, getting out in front of the camera and expressing the positive things that the police departments do in the community every day. Um, the, the, the political leaders need to get out in front and say, we support our police department. Our police department is good for these reasons. And this is the positive effect they've had on the community. Um, we focus so much on the negative or the one officer out of our nearly 800,000 police we have in the U.S. You know, and we're, we're lighting a bonfire over a very, very small percentage of uh, bad cops or, in most cases, poor decisions that get made. Um, I, I think we need to see more of that uh, public support. I know locally we got a lot of internal support from our political leaders, but it was never forward facing. And I know that caused me a lot of consternation because it's it's great that you're telling us internally that we're great and we're doing a good job and, and they support us. But until that's forward facing, the public doesn't know that they truly support and recognize the work that their police departments are doing every day. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely something we're seeing nationwide. Locally, we're seeing it. Um, I'm in a major city just like everyone else, and we're seeing a lot of the same effects of this lack of support. <clears throat> we're seeing a lot more um, instances of people resisting arrest or a lot of wanting to be argumentative with the officer on the street instead of, you know, deal with the situation there and then go to court, you know, have your day there. If we messed up, you're going to make a lot of money in the long run, but it's not worth getting in a fight on the side of the road over it. Uh, for either either party, the police or or the person they're dealing with, uh, I think. You know, Stefan, we're, we're coming up on the uh, twenty year anniversary of nine eleven, and practically everyone that I have on this show is a nine eleven first responder. Everyone from the NYPD, because we're all old, and you can tell we must have been on the job <laughs> in uh, in two thousand one, and you know that was like a, a special thing to be a part of and to have survived it and to really hold in reverence the people that gave their lives that day. And, you know, we were so supported after that incident by the citizens. It's almost like you heard citizens in New York City refer to us, us as their cops. Oh, those are our cops. Mm -hmm. We've never heard that ever again. You know, it let the good feeling from 9-11 and the support from 9-11 lasted about two or three months. And then once it was over, it was business as usual. Are oh, you, you cops? You suck, you know. And uh, you know, it went, while it lasted, it felt good. And you know, I'll always be, and I think everyone that responded to the towers that day will always be proud that you responded. And uh, but you know, it's you, you just realize how fleeting life is, and how fleeting support either support or someone hating you, how fleeting it can be. It goes so fast. We had a mass shooting again, um, mid two thousands in one of our shopping malls. Um, you know, and we learned some lessons from the past. We had, we had several other similar type of shootings here where I work. Um, but you know, after Columbine, we really uh, learned we don't just sit and contain it and wait for tactical or SWAT to show up. You know, we go in and respond to the scene and try and reduce casualties at, at great risk to ourselves. So we had a mass shooting um, by the numbers. We, we got it shut down within six, six and a half minutes, which is probably the best you could ever hope for. A uh, number of casualties. Bad guy um, was was uh, 
eliminated, I guess. And neutralize is a better word. So they, uh, you know, immediately the, the supports there, but, but those moments are short lived, you know, people, people tend to forget how much risk a police officer puts themselves in for those various situations. You know, Stefan, someone just asked me for the discount code cause they want to order. So we're getting some, uh, we're getting some movement here from the chat. traction. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting a little traction, some live traction. I, I, I might here. be able to retire after the show. That's right. That's, that's going to be it. You may have to come on once a week now, you know? Uh, it's great. So on the screen, I posted it again. You can order policecoffee.com, a 10% discount with OTC 10. That stands for off the cuff 10. Brilliant that you use that. It makes people uh, remember the discount code OTC 10. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, look, I would say that I, I'm, I'm very proud that I, it, I was, I served the NYPD. I don't know if I was a young lad these days, if I would go on that job uh, during these times, but um, it's, it's, you know, look, police work is a, uh, is a calling, you know? Hey, Bill, I want to make a point that you brought up about nine 11. Um, I was present at ground zero on nine 11 after the collapse. Thanks for, thankfully. But um, I remember how very shortly thereafter, Every car had a, an American flag on it. Yeah. Uh, there were American flags everywhere. And I could remember because I was doing, uh, in, in the days following, I was down at uh, Ground Zero for about seven, eight weeks. And we would get off at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. And we would have to go from Ground Zero. We'd have to go to sign out at uh, at the FBI headquarters. And we would drive down the west side of Manhattan. And there would be people, 7 o'clock in the morning, holding signs. People that you would never think would support the police, you know, people from around the village and stuff, holding signs, you're our heroes, and and cheering us as we drove by. It, it was an unbelievable feeling, and it's just horrible that it took 9-11 to bring country together and to have people supporting us. But I think we could regain some of that if we do it the right way and if we have the backing of the politicians, as we said, and we have the backing of the prosecutors. And, you, you know, there's so many good people out there that uh, – you, you you know, just recently I was thanked by a young lady for my service when I was in a store checking out and there was some kind of a discount for law enforcement and a young kid, a college kid, she shocked me when she said, thank you for your service. So I really believe that there are good people out there still. Um, if, if we do things the right way, um, you know, every politician in this country is afraid to back the police because of racism, because if there's an incident where someone of color is arrested and it doesn't look at any kind of, I've said this before, any kind of force on those body cameras or on any video camera does not look good. So right away they say it's because of race and, you know, police officers don't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go pick on Hispanics or blacks or any minority. They go to a call for service. They're called to where they go. They don't just appear, you know. So, uh, and I think a lot of the politicians are afraid to get behind us because of that. But, you know, there's there's something's got to be done. Something's got to give. Uh, it, it it was tried previously and it worked with the broken windows policy in New York with on the Bratton and Giuliani. Uh, uh, Steph brought up Bratton earlier, and uh, you know it can work again. We can we can get. This uh, the city and the country back to a, a, a law and order country. You know, uh, it's just it's going to take a little work. And along with that work, there's going to be members of the blue family that may pay with injuries or even their life. And, uh, you know, that's the, the risk that we take every day when we, you know, get dressed in the morning, put on a, a gun belt and a uniform and a bulletproof vest. And we accept that. 
we're okay with that. But uh, if we don't have the backing of the people, how could you ask a cop to go and answer a call and try to disarm a subject that's got a gun or, or, or a knife or and is threatening his family members when he may wind up in jail for taking, you know, necessary police action. So. You know, Phil, I think a, a lot, a lot of possible solutions to that issue is that we as police agencies need to take a much stronger step forward with uh, getting the message out, what we do, why we do things. I mean, we're, we're an information rich uh, society now, you know, it's saturated, but we really don't talk about what police work really looks like. I mean, they see it on law and order and NYPD blue for you guys that would remember that. Um, but, but what we do day to day does not look like TV. And I think people no. need to understand what police work looks like. I think we need to educate them why we do what we do, whether that's detaining someone, whether it's searching, putting someone in handcuffs, use of force is a huge thing. They need to understand that um, deadly force situations happen very rapidly. It's not something that, you know, that, that, that just uh, you have hours and hours to deal with. Sometimes you do. I was a hostage negotiator for 10 years. Um, in fact, Dominic Messino, who worked for you guys, is the one that trained me. Um, and uh, Let me just interject something there, Steph. What you're talking about, the use of force, the, the, the general – uh, atmosphere in the United States through the whole country, not only New York, specifically I can speak for New York, but is not to comply. The, the simple traffic stops turn into a, a tragedy because they're not complying. And and that had that, that whole, you're making a great point that, you know, if, if there were some community leaders, some politicians that would stand up and say, listen, there's a system in place, comply with the police. If you comply, you don't die. Well, well, or, or you don't wind up in the hospital, you no, know. No, so. what what people forget is 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 this is a cooperative agreement. You know, we're we're as much part of the citizenry as the citizenry is, is is you know part of us as far as being our eyes and ears out there. And that that cooperative agreement is is if you get stopped, you're 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 going to obey the law. You're going to obey what the officer tells you as long as it's legal, right? Even if it's not, you probably should go with it and then deal with it after the fact. Of course, but. Of course. but that cooperative effort is a two-way street. It can't be one-sided. It's not us and them. It's it's a group effort. And I think we've kind of lost that message or direction somewhere in the last uh, few years. You know, I'd the, even the go back to the- Today, though, the, the, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the young no. kids of today were watching videos all throughout last summer of people walking up to uniformed police officers, specifically in New York and Portland and a lot of other places, and they were watching them curse and spit at them and degrade them and call them. There, there was a Washington Square Park incident a couple of months back, a couple of weeks back, where uh, an African American was uh, screaming racial epithets at, at, a, at a Chinese police officer. It's disgusting. And what is that doing? If it's on the news, it's in the media, it's showing the kids today. You don't have to listen to a police officer when he tells you move or, or, or you know, give me a license. That's the problem that I'm talking no, about. And it, it really changes their, their, their tragedies. It really changes their perception as well. Like, like, you know, we went in one year from being the good guys to the bad guys. It's, it's even affected my family. My, my, I've got two kids and, uh, they're older in their teens, but you know, what they saw every day last year, you know, when we'd sit down at, at dinner and talk about some of these things, uh, it really made me realize that, that what they're seeing in the news affects their perception and their perception of what I do for work. You know, they, they really were questioning, you know, is, is, 
is my dad a good guy or is he not? Or, or maybe he's a good guy, but some of the guys he works with aren't. It's very confusing uh, to the these social media too. The kids with the phones, they get stuff like it's like uh, indoctrinating them. They get the small clip of the cop, you know, uh, arresting somebody. They don't get what took, uh, you know, what transpired before. So we really got to, we got to educate, like you said, Steph. And again, I don't mean to interrupt you, but. Uh, no. And you know, we're, we're most of our agencies are using body cams now. So when we're seeing those short snippets, the immediate response should be for us to get in front of that, get ahead of that train, get the full information out when we can you know, and show what actually occurred. Cause we're seeing so many of these things where those snippets are um, definitely not the, the facts of what occurred. You know, it's that, it's that slice that makes it fit their narrative. But when you step back and look at the entire encounter, it changes the whole story. Yeah. You know, we just had a um, factual breakdown. Thank you so much for your final super tra- uh, chat in memory of, uh, Emil Ciccatelli and my PD chief of detectives. I remember the chief. He was. I worked with uh, Ciccatelli. Good guy. Yeah, a, a good guy. She always is contacting me, and uh, I just want to show you our appreciation. Duty, Ron, I sent you the link. I'm sorry I sent it to the, the wrong email at first, but you have it right now. Duty, Ron wanted to show us that, um, Stefan, that he orders your coffee, and he has some <laughs> of your coffee. So I was hoping that he would get on here, and I'd put him on, and he could show that he is supporting your coffee company. Well, thank Folks, you for the support. Uh, this is uh, Stefan Bennett, and he owns policecoffee.com. That's on the screen, how you can contact them. You get a 10% discount for OTC 10. That stands for off-the-cuff 10. And you can order a 50-pound bag if you'd like, you know, <laughs> or, 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 or 10 five-pound bags, whichever you'd like to do. Uh, do, do you get to, like, tra- uh, travel to these uh, – Colombian coffee bean companies? You know, a lot of them are in uh, Costa Rica. I was planning on going last year. And of course, what happened, you know, COVID hit. Yeah, so COVID, we're, yeah. we're looking forward to a little travel this year, maybe in the in the fall here. You got a lot. You got a good reason. Hey, I'm going to search some coffee beans. You know, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm not looking at those girls over there in the thongs. I'm looking for coffee beans. <laughs> I know my wife ain't buying that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, folks, uh, we try to bring you different guests from all different parts of law enforcement. And uh, Captain Stefan Bennett is from the Midwest. It's uh, it's sort of fun to hear that. Well, not fun, but a breath of fresh air to hear that police officers have the same problems all over the country. You know, it's not just unique to one area. And uh, policing is a brotherhood. We all look out to uh, help each other, and that's what Stefan's doing. In fact, Duty Run, Duty Run has just showed up. We're going to add him to the stream. There he is. <laughs> hey, <Duty> guys. <laughs> How are you? Hey, Bill, Bill, Phil, Stefan, thank you so much for letting me uh, uh, bomb into your uh, video. The reason I wanted to come on is one of my viewers, <laughs> I have my own channel, one of my viewers sent me this about four months ago. Uh, Matt Sully, who is a, uh, his dad is a retired NYPD captain. Uh, he's a, he's no longer with us, but uh, Matt Sully, who is a retired Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine, sent this to me about four months ago. And um, I had two bags of it. I've already gone through one, and this is my second bag. So everybody make sure you pick up this product and get out there. I, I want to know how you liked it. 
I loved it. I, I already went through a whole bag. So um, here's the last uh, I'm drinking right now. Bill said after six, because he's an old man, he can't drink coffee. <laughs> Me, I could drink the coffee and go right to bed. I'll be in bed by 1030. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excellent, excellent company. Excellent idea. Great uh, give back with the 50%. I, I can't uh, thank you enough as a retired NYPD 9-11 first responder, just like Bill and Phil. Uh, we we have tremendous respect for our brothers and sisters across the. A hundred percent, Judy Ron. Thank you All so right. much for coming. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I'm the chat's going crazy. My numbers are going through the roof now that you joined the uh, episode. <laughs> you want me to stay another two minutes? No, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go. Uh, you know, it's funny. I just <laughs> while Judy Ron's here, I just want to, all you folks out there in the chat. All you new members that have subscribed to Police Off the Cuff on our YouTube, Duty Ron deserves at least half the credit. He has really coached me along how to do this podcast, how to get more people to watch it, and I owe him a lot in regards to uh, whatever success I have in, in this podcast. Well, let me let me also add in there uh, a special thank you to all of the people who come over from the, the Crime Time with Duty Ron channel. We just hit the 41,000 subscriber mark. And without uh, uh, those of you who are supporting myself and here, police off the cuff, uh, you know, Bill, you put in a lot of hard work. So don't discount yourself because you got to where you are right now through hard work, determination and never giving up. So. You, no, there's uh, no there's no sexiness involved none at all not in my eyes not not in my eyes <laughs> maybe in Ryan, some of the ladies a great point Ryan. you said we're a brotherhood we support one another look what you've done for bill and you you're, you're really a great guy and uh, your show, your podcast is great as well and uh, that's it you're proving what you said that we all right. have a brotherhood you know well, and, and in addition to that, I'm going to extend the offer to uh, to have Stefan, if you would like to come on to my show, I'd be happy and honored to uh, promote his company and what he's doing uh, on my uh, on on prime crime time with Duty Ron. So you you got a, you got an invite there. I, I'd Stephon, love, I'd love to take you, you up on it. If you sell Excellent. fifty pounds on my show, you'll sell a hundred on his show. <laughs> 200, 200. <laughs> People are bringing donkeys to his show to load the coffee on, <laughs> like they do in Colombia. <laughs> now I'm gonna get now. I'm gonna get some hate mail. That was a nasty yeah. thing you did. That is, that's my cue to exit stage right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I want to say hello to everybody in the chat and thank you, uh, to Bill, for letting me come on. I was being a little pesky, but it was, I, I thought it was important for everybody to see. Uh, this product has been in my home for the past four months. I had two, like I said, Matt Sully sent me two bags of it. So um, mine was already ground. So this, I don't know, this might not be as good as the first bag because I opened that right up. But um, Ron, do you knock way, down what you knock down one of those Entenmann's coffee rings with the pecans with a cup? <laughs> how, how do you think I keep my girlish figure? Come on, now. <laughs> This doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I'm going to go. Uh, have a great rest of your show. Thank you for letting me come on. Good to meet you, Stefan, and I will talk to you guys on the next one. Good Bye, everybody. He's a guys, good man. Yeah, he's a great man. Guys, we also we're at we're at the hour. We're gonna we're gonna be closing. We're gonna give closing statements now. Uh, it's it's like a courtroom.
<laughs> Phil, you got the last clothing and I'll go to Stefan and then I'll say goodbye to everyone. Just want to say thanks again for having me back, Bill. It's always a pleasure to do the show, especially, like I said, it's a win-win with Steph. Uh, the coffee is great and uh, looking forward to trying some of it. And uh, what better than uh, a cause for police, a fallen police officer's family, 50% uh, of the profits go to them. Uh, let's pray for uh, our country to have uh, a redu reduction in crime, you know, and uh, to you, Steph. Hey, Bill, again, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate the time to talk about the police topics from our separate areas of the country. Um, I think it's a valuable conversation that needs to be had so people understand the, the difficulties we're facing right now and the solutions that are out there. Um, also, I'm, I, uh, I'm glad that you promote Police Coffee at policecoffee.com. And remember, the uh, discount code is OTC10 for this show. And I look forward to seeing you guys again. Thank you, Stefan, for coming on the show. Folks, all you guys that are listening in the chat and all you folks that are new subscribers, the police off the cuff, the best is absolutely yet to come. We got some shows coming up that'll knock your socks off. So have your coffee filled with police coffee at policecoffee.com. Get the 10% discount at OTC 10. Put it and, in one of these cups. And put it in your dipped in butter coffee cup, right? No, no, we, we do cups too, okay? Oh, he does, he's, got uh -oh. Uh -oh. he's got everything covered there, okay? Now All I right, got two cups. <laughs> Folks, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff, Bill Cannon, Bill Grimaldi, uh, Stefan Bennett, good night, everyone. Stay safe.